Anna told Akisa mm-hmm. that when you meet him, let him know that I'll be waiting for him. Mm-hmm. He knows what I'm talking about. Mm. Akisa never passed on that message. <laughs> this is the Two African Girls Review Podcast. Where we review black and brown film, TV, and more. We are back with episode 3 of Country Queen. As you all know, we are reviewing this show episode by episode. So if you have not listened to the first two discussions we had, go listen to those and then come and continue with us. This episode is directed by Vincent Mbaya. The writers are Wanjeri Gakuru, Lydia Matata, Oprah Oyugi, Kimani Waweru. We left off and they had intervened or stopped the funeral service for... Mualimo, who is Akisa's father. Right. The next thing we see is they're in the house. Suddenly a pickup out of nowhere comes and when they run out, the pickup has taken the coffin with Mualimo's body. Listen, Talk guys. Talk about drama. Listen, I thought to myself, what is Visidani in English? <laughs> um, this, it's like a bad omen for something like that oh, to happen omen, yeah. on a funeral. I mean, we already know at this point it's the brothers who are behind it. Yes. Those men are so chaotic. First of all, they're a nuisance. They need to be dealt with. What do they do? Like, do yeah, they what have are their day jobs? <laughs> you know what? We're talking this like in city terms. Because mm-hmm. we're like, what are their day jobs? You know, in like the village, things are much more slow paced. Maybe that's why. Actually, that is true. I saw a tweet today that said, Country Queen, the fact that they set the story in Silanga mm-hmm. was good because it showed that there's life beyond Nairobi. Yeah, not every day Afropolitan. Yeah, Afropolitan. which ah, is man. good, but the majority of people, I'm speaking for Uganda and Kenya, the majority of people, you're not staying in the city or an urbanized area. You're in the rural area. Yeah. So I like that they're telling these stories. But then also living in the city is aspirational. That's true. For people living in the villages. So even when Kanini. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah, actually Kanini wanted to go to the city so much. So bad. No, I think that's like it used to be for some people. Actually that's a good thing that Country Queen touches on. Like Mualimu didn't have to be in the country it's like he chose to be in the country even the professor i feel like he was why do they call him the professor i need to know more about that man also charlo is like he can decide to be in the city he just does not yeah that is true he looks like he was once a city boy everybody in the city has a connection to somewhere in the village yeah that is so true so i like that they showed that through akisa in afropolitan stuff we rarely see these sides of people honestly majority all have relatives that is so true A, a good example for that is the holidays Everybody will go back home, you know, like mm-hmm. to their ancestral land. Unless your city is set up on the land where, sorry, blame the colonizers. Oh shoot, that means those people lost their land. Yeah, they did. Oh my, that's actually messed up. Hey, where were we? We're talking about how those men are annoying. And they stole the body. What exactly were they planning to do with that body? If somebody comes and steals my body, not that I'm important. These fights are usually with men's body. They want to steal your body. Unimportant when alive, unimportant when dead. Anyway, but in the case that that happens, I give you all permission. Once my life has gone, if they want to steal it, let them steal it. It will rot with them. I don't think they were planning to bury it. No, they were not. They wanted to use it like, you know, hold it ransom so they can make some demands. That is so messed up. It is. 
And then we move to Joe, Joe the reporter. We meet Joe's family. Mm-hmm. And we see that Joe is married, he has a wife, and they're obviously struggling with, what is it called? Infertility. Infertility, yes. You can see the woman saying, the wife saying that she is tired of going through these treatments. We see like an HCG test. Yeah. We move on from that to Vivian. So it seems Vivian has connections because then Vivian later on calls Joe and he says, I know you guys are going through this. I can. She's threatening. Yeah. Actually, she's using that to blackmail him, I think, to to kill the story. On gold laundry. Yeah. She's like, I know people, if you guys want IVF treatments for free, they say that to get another treatment, they will need a half a year's salary. They never even did a treatment. They couldn't oh. afford it. Remember, she was talking about, no, Joe was like, there are many other options. We can try many other things. And then the wife was like, can we even afford that? That means they've never even tried IVF because they cannot afford it. Guys, IVF is expensive. It is so expensive. Very. Huh? And Vivian offers a way out, but there's a catch. And he, Joe is a reporter. Yeah, and you know, the integrity of a journalist... It's put on the line because he really needs this for his family. But he also, I guess, needs... Not I guess. He has to be truthful in his reporting. So... It's a tough spot to be in. Yeah, it really is. Also, we forgot the part where Vivian was telling um, Max mm-hmm. that, come and buy and buy, I need my money. <laughs> yeah. Was starting to suspect. Why is she so hung up on the money? Plus, he gave her the gold. Shouldn't she let it yeah. go at this point? She's still pushing the money thing. We meet Titus and the other mm-hmm. older men in the village. They are sitting around where they sat for the council. Titus is slandering Mama Akisa, yeah, Esther, Esther, and saying, you know, those women from the coast. <laughs> like, I can imagine a scenario like that in my real life happening. Like, the accuracy. Yes, we all know this. If you have different ethnic groups where you come from, you know, if you have family members... Or if you marry into a different ethnic ethnic group. group. There's like stereotypes that are attached to these ethnic groups. And you can see that playing out. And Titus is actually using that to slander Mama Akisa, which then gives me the impression that this woman has suffered in Silanga. That means they've never really liked her. Or accepted her. Yeah. But who really does accept the women? I mean, okay, if, we're yeah, really, okay. if we get into it. And it's so sad because it has become common knowledge. If the family actually likes you, that would be the anomaly. That would yeah, be that's like an the odd part. It the is odd expected. For the in-laws to hate you, to dislike you. Sometimes there's no even reason. In-laws from usually the man's side. That is true. I was going to say it doesn't make sense, but <laughs> I don't even know. It's it's um it should not be happening. It, it is not. not right. You know what? Upon rewatch of episode one, do you know there's a second flashback when she reaches home, mm-hmm. and the flashback is when she touches the tree, mm-hmm. and then it transitions to Auntie Salome hugging her. Mm-hmm. There's a part where they're chasing her out of the house, oh. which gives me the impression that like Akisa's father kicked her out. They're carrying her bags. And she's trying to turn back. But the part that she talks about the most is the part where they took away the child. Yes. So that's another part. So it's like they took the child and then kicked her out. I'm wondering if she went to stay with Auntie Salome. Because Auntie Salome is the one who has her number. 
Yeah, yeah these guys didn't even have her number. That's they did. true. I thought taking the child away was bad. But if they kicked her out, going back to Esther, Esther has really never been accepted. First of all, <clears throat> she does not have a son. Oh, Esther. Yeah, yes. right. She yeah, has so a that daughter. Alone? That alone. She's a woman from the coast, married into this community, mm-hmm. and she does not have a son. Because they keep mentioning being a man, being a man, jeez. The daughter that she had, even that in their eyes, she failed. Ah, you reminded me. There's this part where Charlo's dad mm-hmm. says, Hi, yo. <laughs> See, exactly. Yeah. I know. Go ahead. He says something, uh, something around the lines of, This is after they steal the father's body. Yeah. They interrupt this meeting yeah. of, of, I don't know, councilmen or community men. Akisa starts speaking. Look, Akisa is really not a coward. That's a good thing, actually. Like, you can see it all throughout the whole show. I feel like if you don't stand your ground, they will do everything look, within their power. But her, who stood her ground? What happened next? No, but imagine if she could not. What would they have done then? Anyway, so um, Charlo's dad says, you are running around when you are a teenager destroying my son, spoiling, corrupted. corrupting my son. And I was like, not this man. What is with parents' obsession with thinking that their sons are incorruptible? Wait, what? Are corruptible by women. That's the thing. Who holds the power here? It's ridiculous. You see the, the dilemma Esther is in. Look, I do not agree with what Esther says. She's basically an example of a, a bad parent, honestly. <laughs> but even in that, I can see what might have led her to this point. To know that she's from the coast, a different ethnic group perhaps, came married into this community, does not have a son, had a daughter, the daughter who is accused of corrupting community boys, who then got pregnant. No wonder they were so ashamed. They had to hush-hush it because she feels very much a failure. Damn. Even I think the reason why she keeps saying these really mean, ugly words to her daughter and about her daughter is because she feels she failed. As a mom? As a mom. Or as a wife? Both. Which then leads me to believe Cello's father knows what happened. Yeah, that statement gave the impression that he knew. That means they talked it among themselves. They did. The parents did. Yeah. It's so strange because Charlo gets to live his life like nothing yeah, happened. Yeah, Charlo moved on and the whole time... And that's the thing. They always say, uh, don't destroy his life. Basically because he's a corruptible one. <sighs> like, he didn't face an obstacle like that no, in his didn't. life. But usually that's how it is. People are trying to protect men. They were kids. There's no one to blame except the parents. Look, African parents don't give you sex ed. Listen. (laughs) And then when something happens. You don't even know what's happening. They hush hush it. Now she's just like, how can he say a warning that is uttered among community members? Like you don't want to be like that girl or you don't want to be like that family. And there's a lot of that mm-hmm. in our communities. There, usually there's a person or a family that is ostracized. And then they use that as a learning example for the rest of the people. Which is so sad because... Because I feel like the failure is actually the parents. Give the kids some sex ed. Teach them how to use protection. Maybe make sure they have access to contraceptives. I don't know. I don't know. know. I... The worst part is they took her kid away from her. 
without her consent. And then they didn't tell Charlo. That's wicked. Also, you know what? I'm thinking the child is Josiah. <laughs> yes, the child is Josiah. Yeah, that, but you know what? It's so sad considering the conditions Josiah is living in. It is. It really is sad because whatever they were trying to prevent... I mean, what yeah. were they trying to prevent? They were trying to save face. That's, That's the, the thing. thing. It's even never in the interest of, of the children. Nope. It's really to save face. Usually when these situations happen and parents try to, you know, like intervene, they're usually doing so because they want to save their faces, not really because they are yeah. concerned about I mean, we could be wrong. We I have wrong. a problem with Mwalimu's, um words. Like, he never really apologized. He said, I did what was right. He didn't even say, I did what I thought was right. They were not trying to help them. They had the resources to support the child and Akisa. But because they wanted to save face... Which is so funny because in their pursuit to save face, they still made themselves a spectacle. Because now, look, kids like Kanini were told, you should not end up like those people. Mm-hmm. You know what, which then makes me wonder, does the community know what happened? The community, at this point, listen, they're trying to make Esther. They're literally calling her a witch. So I feel like the community, because they didn't know what actually happened. Lack of information, they started They made their tales. own stories. Okay, I can see that. I was going to say that was Zay at the council meeting or the meeting. Mm -hmm. They have great wardrobe. <laughs> the clothes are so on point. That's how I see my uncle's dressing. The hats. The vests. The vests. Like, okay. <laughs> then, while we're there, people start vomiting. And multiple people all at once. Mm -hmm. These people, the community men, actually, they use that as ammunition because then they start attacking Esther and they're saying things like, This woman poisoned Esther and Akisa and Auntie Salome, they are not vomiting. So it looks super suspicious. Suspicious. Auntie wonder... Salome says mm -hmm. she gave them leftovers. That's why they are not sick. They didn't eat the food that everybody else ate. But to the community, it doesn't seem that way. Like, it doesn't look like that to them. For them, they'll just conclude that there was something sinister going on. Seeing vomiting footage really... <laughs> I had to like, close my ears and my eyes. When she goes to the health center, you know people start treating her strangely? Akisa. Yes. Because they're like, why are you not vomiting? Yeah. Even Anna is shady. Yeah, listen, I told you in the previous episode, episode two, the moment Kanini's mother planted doubt in Anna's mind, yes, oh, it has been growing and it's festering. That was the worst. Oh, gosh. It really is festering because you can see she, she now looks at Akisa differently. Yes, she does. And she's always suspicious of her boyfriend. Anyway, so we move on from that and we go to the mine. Eric is having a conversation with Vivian. He's telling Vivian that he needs to make sure that they have the license because he doesn't want to risk going to jail. Yeah, so that means Eric has some history of doing work with Ikorok where they did not get the necessary requirements to start mining and he doesn't want that to play out again but then vivian said i don't really care about your feelings right now <laughs> very ruthless very cutthroat which is you know the characteristics of being a girl boss and you know like how they tell you in business you need to be assertive you need to be all of these things to succeed like business is not for the weak mind or the mm -hmm. weak hearted she really embodied that and it's so sad to watch. But, you know, there are a lot of people who actually operate like that. So Yeah, she probably has to struggle in the industry already because she's a woman. 
And then remember the part where Silas brings a truck full of other children. Yes. And then Tony says, why are you bringing more children? It's already illegal what we're doing with the children. So Tony knows something is wrong. Tony knows something is off. Tony's but... a coward. <laughs> you can say Just that. Just like me. <laughs> the actor who plays Silas is really good. <laughs> he pisses me off. He's like, children are a future. <laughs> when he was singing, oh my God, he's so annoying. And then remember the part where he said? It's like the little mannerisms that he does that make his character like, oh damn, is this a real person? Like, like is he even acting? Like he'd be chewing something and then he spits on the side. He really went into the character. Yeah, he did. And remember the part where he said, it's better for the children to be here working and earning money than being on the streets begging. Yeah. But then later on, we find out he doesn't even pay the children. So he's literally using the labor for free. Akisa is really stressed out because she's trying to talk to her mom, Esther, and Auntie Salome. Like, we have to stand up to those guys. We have to do something about Baba's body. But Esther looks resigned and Salome is like, they don't look like they're going to do anything. You can see Akisa is stressed out because then she goes and calls her friend. This is when we meet ivy we saw her trying to call ivy like in the beginning in the beginning like episode one but uh ivy this time picks up and we learn ivy is on a vacation she's living the instagram life yes (laughs) so she's at some beach she said i decided to take a silent retreat and i'm wondering what is a silent retreat without devices and electronics but she had her phone i don't know you can tell that Ivy is in a different league. The conversation they're having, you can tell they're from two different worlds. Mm-hmm. Akisa tells Ivy that her father died and basically she's in a conundrum because the uncles are really giving her a hard time. And then Ivy says something along the lines of, you're a strong woman. And then Akisa says something. This is the line I really like the most. Even strong women need someone to lean on. And I think that is very relevant to say because people think just because you can carry the weight, they think you don't need help. Which is horrible. Ivy goes on to even make things worse by saying everything will be okay. You are going to be okay because you are going to make everything okay. Because that's what you do. And this implies that in this relationship, it's Akisa who's always fixing things. She basically just reinforced the strong black woman Woman trope trope. that is a thing i hate it that means to ivy akisa is you know like that person you always know will always do something yes like you can always count on them to come through for you i feel like that is akisa for ivy oh damn we go to joe Joe then decides he's going to make the deal with Mrs. Sibala. Mm-hmm. You can see him struggling. Yeah. Even like the cigarettes he was trying to give up on, he, <laughs> he gets the cigarette and goes and puffs one. And, and the cigarette says, not today, Joe. <laughs> no, not the cigarette. His lungs say, not today. <laughs> the man is coughing. But he ultimately decides that he's going to take the deal with Mrs. Sibala. He's going to kill the story on gold laundering so that his family can have access to IVF treatments, which would otherwise be costly. It is not right, but I cannot blame him. One thing this show has showed us is that there's always a reason people do stuff. It's never black and white. For Joe, yes, he's a reporter. He has to report. But also, there's this person that he's reporting about who is holding this thing that he wants so much. And in order for him to get it, he has to change the fact. 
hearts. Mm-hmm. So then it leads me to believe that everybody's decision are reactionary. Like if the circumstances were different, you probably wouldn't make that choice. But because you're not given that many options, you just choose whatever is there. Mm. You get what I'm trying to say? And then we go to Isaac. So it turns out, but guys, I have a question. Is Isaac a personal assistant? He is. An accountant? A financial controller manager for Ecorog? Or he's everything? Did he have money to put more actors? So they had to... Because sometimes you see him running around Vivian as a personal assistant. But then in this scene, we see Max requesting for money from Isaac, which means he controls the finances too. He's not asking for money. He's trying to make him change figures. No, actually, he started with asking for money. Remember? Outside. He said, I need some money for some projects outside the bathroom. And then they entered the bathroom and he said, can you make it look like the money never disappeared? Mm. Yeah. But Max is such a bully. Max, but yeah. <laughs> oh my God. He was I have. too close for comfort. And he watched the man remove his nini and pee. But I like the part where Isaac said. <laughs> I love it. He said, I'm going to pretend this conversation never happened. <laughs> <laughs> I'm doing you a favor. Mm-hmm. He had some good comebacks. He was like, I'm not phased by you. Yeah. And you're bullying. Yeah, actually, that is true. Because if it was anyone else, you would cower. If you know Max is the husband of the CEO and he's asking you to do stuff. So you know what? I guess that shows that people are aware that Max is Vivian's bitch. The henchman. They know there's nothing he says. That, that holds f- weight. Yeah. Unless Vivian says it. Yeah. Interesting. Which makes sense. I mean, I'm now starting to understand the dynamic of their relationship. Yeah. They're not in love. Next. Ah. This is an important one. Isaac washed his hands after using the bathroom. <laughs> Be like Isaac. <laughs> Also, there's COVID. So. Yeah, and monkeypox. We move on to... Remember the child who was hurt? Mm-hmm. Silas. He's like, what are you staring at? Is any of you hurt? Go back to work. Oh, Silas is such Silas a is so annoying. And then, poor Josiah. He asks for helmets. Because the other kid gets injured injured on the head. Mm-hmm. So, Josiah is, um, speaks up regarding the safety of the kids working. Like, you need to give us helmets. Like, he was being a little activist. Like his daddy. Because I think Chalo is his dad. And then remember the part which Silas said, he put the helmet on Josiah, and then he said, helmets are not meant for kids. Maybe that's because kids are not supposed to be working. Yeah, no shit, Silas. (laughs) They use the children. They overwork them in dangerous conditions. They do not pay them. They don't pay them. And then later on, we're going to even find out they don't feed them. What do they actually gain from there? Just because it looks better if they are not begging. Carry on. (sighs) Okay. So Akisa, she's running out of options. She goes to Nima because Nima is the police officer. She asks Nima to intervene because her father's body has been stolen by her uncles. Nima says, it's a family issue. I can't really do anything. You know what? I knew Nima was up to something. Nima is becoming a bit shady. (laughs) Akisa says, look, you can come use my car and we go and sort this out. Nima is like, you're You're not not the the only one with a car. car. That was so so shady. But also, remember, Nima was there at the community meeting. Which makes me believe that she also thinks that Esther and Akisa have something to do with the poisoning. So I feel like she said it's a family matter because she wanted those people to find out who actually poisoned the people. Mm. 
we have Juma and Eric next. And Tony are there discussing because remember they gave Tony the work of making sure he finds out who owns which parcel of land and then Ju- so that Ikorok <laughs> can come and like buy them out. Can you believe this man stole his son's job? Tony is not smart. <laughs> his father stole his job under his like just the because <laughs> you know the father is older, so he knows who's connected to which piece of land. And that's how Eric started ignoring Tony and listening to Juma. And Juma took his son's job. We have Max then mm-hmm. visiting Mama Kinyi. Right. So we find out about this other character. Yeah. And he's driving this big, I don't know, this big scene, fancy car. Yeah, this scene just made me feel like, oh damn, Max. Because we're from seeing Max just being a bully. Because mm-hmm. even before when he was talking to Akisa, it's like, give me a chance to fight for us and so forth. I'm, I I did not like Max. I was just like, oh my God, not this man. I just didn't have a good whatever of him, but I have a much better understanding of, of who Max he as is. A yeah. I, the a interaction person. with Mama Akini looks like him. that is so true. Because it's like the people he was greeting, he knew them mm-hmm. before. He kept on saying like, and he's oh, so you, warm. You're so grown. I remember when you were all little kids and stuff. It turns out, I think he used to work for Mama Akini in his past life. They even allude to him being like a scrawny little young man. Yes. Because now he has like muscles He used to wash plates. They said he used to do boxing. Oh, yeah. I just like this scene. It's so warm. Like, he's so warm. His his smiles are so genuine. The actor did a good job in portraying, like, being with family. Mm -hmm. People who know But you can also see him being warm when he's interacting with Akisa. Oh, yeah? Yeah. He doesn't have that same warmth for Vivian, unfortunately. Unfortunately, I don't know. (laughs) It was very nice to see. And then Mama Akini has, like, a stall. A no, restaurant. It's like a restaurant. Like a hotel. He was also making chapatis. Mm-hmm. And then Max was like, I miss the chapatis you used to make. It's like an eatery. Yeah. Do you remember my king's reaction to Max? Mm-hmm. I love it. It's already a meme. We cut from that scene, right? Mm-hmm. We don't see Mapupu yet. Mapupu. <laughs> <laughs> um, Akisa is talking to Kanini. She finds out that the body that was stolen in the beginning of the episode is actually at Kanini's house. This is the part that really interests me. Kanini bargains. She's like, I know what you want, mm-hmm. but will you do this and this for me if I show you what you want? So Kanini basically wants to go to Nairobi. And she was bargaining with Akisa that if I show you where what you're looking for is, will you let me come with you or visit you in Nairobi? And do you remember the part where she was asking her, do you remember me, Akisa, to Kanini? You're the person they want us not to be like. But then she said, it doesn't seem like you're doing too bad. Which is so true, because when we were growing up, the people, they used to be like, uh, that one. When you grow up, you realize, oh, it's because they used to speak back to the elders. They used to question things. To stand their ground. And because of that, they're demonized. That is so true. That is true. They would rather you be Docile. docile yeah that's the word and then i was thinking wow kanini will survive in nairobi with <laughs> this her bargaining skills she will survive and then she shows us the body and the dad is sleeping oh actually that's when we also find out that musa is the father of, of kanini, kanini which like means musa is married to zipporah yeah and i understand kanini now <laughs> Why she wants to run away from home. Kanini said it's better to be in Nairobi where it's hard. Because Akisa warned her it's a hard place to be. Kanini said I'd rather be there than here. If my father is Musa, I would too. Oh my God. 
Imagine, we've been busy saying those uncles are the worst, but this uncle has such a family. How? <laughs> I don't even have words. When we're at the restaurant, when Max is meeting Mama Kinyi, somebody comes into the restaurant. His name is Mapupu. And turns out he comes and eats meals and does not pay Mama Kinyi. Unfortunately, this is common. If you have like a business and you're a woman, people be disrespecting you. That is true. It's hard because Mama Kinyi, it seems she can't really do anything about it. So Max decides to sort it out for her. This is when we realize Max is Batman. But a vigilante. <laughs> He's a thug, yo. Yeah, Max is a thug. He oh gets my a goodness. knife and pierces and that stabs. knife in, in Mapupu's guts and gets his phone, sends mobile money to Mama Akini. But I, do I support his actions? I mean... He did it for the right reason. But yeah. I'm worried for Mama Akini now. That they might come back? Yes. Yeah, what he did was not right to Mapupu. <laughs> What's with the name Mapupu? <laughs> Like, was he shitty? Did he shit? Like, what was that about? <laughs> Some of these choices, like, to the person on the outside, will be like, what the hell? Because for us, even then, we're able to understand, like, hey, yeah, Max is a thug. He is Vivian's bitch, but he also has another side to him, and he will protect the people who mean the most to him. It's complex. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Break time. What was your favorite scene? When Anna is waiting for Chalo at the picnic. It looked so beautiful. The burial scene. I loved how the lights for the car were used to show us what was happening at night. It heightened the tension. I was anxious for them. What was your favorite sound? The last credit song. It matched the mood because obviously the episode ended on a somber note. It was a rightful song to use. When Max is driving to Mama Kinyi's place, I like the song playing. It matched the situation. In that, you could see this is a person, it sounded very modern, this is a person who went to the city, they've made it, and they're returning home. What was your favorite line? It's not really a line, but like the scene where Josiah and his friend ask Professor for food. It was so raw. They were so open and blunt to say, we are hungry, we want food. It struck a chord. When Max says the line to Vivian, playing fetch and pit bull has lost its last. It gives me insight into the kind of relationship they have had and how he is unsatisfied with the current state of the relationship. It was a line well delivered. You know when I said that ever since her name is Zipporah, ever since Zipporah planted the shopkeeper, yeah, Kanini's mom, ever since she planted doubt in Anna's head, Anna has been going on a hundred. Anna is shopping. Akisa comes by and asks for Chalo. She's looking for Chalo and she knows Anna is the girlfriend, so obviously she goes and asks her for him. Chalo is has a good heart. She said it herself. He helps everyone, but it's only when Zipporah mentioned those doubts to her that she like oh maybe not yeah akisa asks for where chalo is anna tells her and then she's like of course you would know where that is yeah she's getting a little shady (laughs) (laughs) and then akisa is like yeah i know where it is and then she alludes to something like how come for you you're not sick from the poison yeah but that's, that's what i was telling you to the outsiders it really looks like they did poison the people thing is i'm still like okay she's now being petty because chalo did mention to her the uncles are the ones pushing the rumor 
that Esther, her daughter Akisa, and the aunt poisoned the funeral people. Basically, he was telling her, like, don't buy into that. Mm-hmm. Obviously, they're on some agenda. But it's like, Anna has dismissed that. Because yeah. I think she's so much into her own head about what Chalo and Akisa might be having. Yeah, that is true. I feel like she was marking her territory when she, she was holding the, you know, the piece of lingerie. lingerie. And then she said he will understand what you mean. And then she was holding the <laughs> piece of gold. not subtle at all. <laughs> She was not. Ah, this is when I realized I see why she feels some threat. Mm-hmm. Did you see Akisa's pants? Akisa is packing. <laughs> oh, that girl has ass. And she wore pants. In my village, I cannot wear pants. Ah, at the skinny jeans. And, and boots. And boots. Yeah, actually, she didn't even change her outfit at all. No, she did not. She stayed and- in those city clothes maybe oh she was God. trying to send a message oh that will stalk but you also sick. realize it's all happening within one day that's true so maybe she's like i don't have time to change clothes because i'm going back as soon as this mess is done also a lot of people commented about her accent what do you yeah, think about her accent about, yeah accent. do you know what i think what do you think many of us have had to code switch at some point in our lives i think that akisa has had to do a lot of code switching she She's had to be in, in environments where she cannot reveal who she truly is. Or and, where she comes from. Or where she comes from. And that's why I think her accent is the way it is. Knowing that she is, you know, the events that she puts on, the kind of people she's connected to. She's friends with people like Ivy. People like Ivy who go on silent retreats. She also does, you know, like uh, if you're in an events management company, she's trying to do big ticket items. She does baby showers. People who is throwing baby showers, those are upper yeah, class upper people. Class people. They have the income that allows them to throw a shower for a baby. To be in some of these environments, and I can testify, you have to assume a persona that these people will be comfortable with. You cannot be there with your local accent of English. Do you understand me? And being a black person, this is beyond the continent there's a way people perceive you with the accent of english that you speak even on the continent even on the continent honestly to be in some circles if you do not sound a certain way they will not associate with you you don't fit in that is true and knowing that she had to make her way through nairobi i understand why her accent would be the way it is and also Maybe they'll do that in season two. I feel like we need to know how she went from, you know, like leaving home as a teenager to what she is now in a span of 10 years. Because now she has her own firm. Mm. People like Ekorok CEOs. Mm -hmm. Also, it's Max. Max. (laughs) I I feel like that's where Max feels he understands her. I also feel like Max doesn't really know that side of of her. her. You also think that's why he's in a relationship with her because he realizes... They're both people who are trying to make it in Nairobi. They were not born in money, basically. Yes. It would explain why he would hook her up with that event mm-hmm. for Ikoros. So mm. for me, that's what I think about her accent. I believe that they made the actress, like it was a direction decision made to show that she came from a place and she's trying to fit into another place. Mm-hmm. She cannot have this accent. Mm-hmm. Which most of us do anyway. We really yeah. do that. I don't know why it's a big deal. Anyway, lots of people were perturbed by the accent on the Twitter. 
Yes. So we thought we should discuss it. But let me tell you, I can even sound like I'm from San Francisco when I'm <laughs> in some places. Because ah, people disrespect. That is so people true. People disrespect that you. That is so true. If your ethnicity mm-hmm. peeks through in your English accent, it's unfortunate and it's operating under like white supremacy ideas. Yeah, that is but so true. That is the truth. You know what? We're probably like overthinking the whole thing of why her accent is like that. Yeah. Meanwhile, the writers and directors are like, we it's were not that deep. <laughs> no, but I think it's a conversation we need to have. It is. It really Because for is. a lot of people, we all have roots back in the country. Yeah. We do not sound like people there. There's a reason why the more learned you become, mm-hmm. the more different your accent is supposed, expected to sound. Yeah, that is true. Some of us, when we're growing up and you have parents, they actually encourage, encourage you yeah, they to do. speak in an accent that is closer to whiteness. Because it gets you places. It does. It really does. That's the truth. So you will do whatever it takes. Then sometimes it's even like, you know, subconscious. Yeah, you won't even realize you're doing you it. Won't. That is true. Akisa goes to Chalo's farm, which is actually really nice because you yeah. can tell the farm is very um, moist. <laughs> not, that's not the word. <laughs> that's not the word. The farm is. <laughs> the farm looks healthy. That's what I wanted to say. The maze was green. The soil looks really healthy. I mean, compared to the mining place, obviously. You know what I mean? She doesn't have a child's number. Nobody has her number in this village. Except her aunt. But if I was Anna, and then I saw Akisa going to find Chalo in those parts. <laughs> she asks for a pickup, right? Yes, yeah, she does. And then Chalo is like, can't what we are doing fit in your boot? Yeah. <laughs> but Chalo also. He what decides to become petty. Yeah. No, but you know what? It is reasonable. Like, all this time she has been avoiding him she doesn't want to talk and now she needs help from him i can see why he was hesitant yeah because he did decline several times because you can see akisa coming back is kind of messing him up a bit he had plans with madame anna for his life and whatever was happening and then akisa came and it's kind of throwing him off he's been trying to talk she has been saying no Yeah, actually she's been avoiding him she really has and now she's coming we need to talk about that part like when she comes to the garden and then when they see each other do you remember like the little sputtering moments like who should go first who should speak first that was so that was cute so cute, <laughs> so cute. Chalo has a really pretty smile also this goes to show that we don't have enough romantic movies on this netflix we need more romance yeah like so african stories the I- peoples who are writing these things Please make more romance movies. We're dying because of just little snippets. Can you believe Yeah, it? we're all the the part with Anna, the part of Akisa and Charlo when they were kids. They all look adorable together. That's so and then there's and then there's so Akisa torn. and Max. Before I knew Charlo and Akisa, honestly, I was Team Anna. I mean, I'm still Team Anna ish. <laughs> But have you seen the way the other two look at each other? Listen. They have really good chemistry. They do. Yeah. That's actually rare. Having chemistry with two people and it works. Because I could take either Anna and Chalo. It's not rare. Or Chalo. You just haven't found the right person. Jeez. <laughs> Listen. Chalo can have chemistry with me too. I know it. <laughs> So Chalo eventually agrees. Yeah, because Akisa gives him eyes. Akisa has really nice eyes. Oh my gosh. I see why. You cannot deny her. He agrees. They go. They collect the pickup. He hesitates again. Here's the pickup that you wanted. He's like, what? Do you want me to go alone? And he's really like, I have 
stuff to do. Yeah, he, maybe he was thinking, I have a date with Anna. Yeah, no, he said it. Oh, he did? Yeah, on rewatch, I realized he said, it's our anniversary. I oh, cannot. Damn. he missed his anniversary. That is messed up cello, though. <laughs> <laughs> no, and the sister go through I, the cake. I understand now. Because he said it to her. And she threw in her dad, her dead dad. And that was it. But she also had a point. What was she going to do with the pickup? She can drive it. But she also has to drive the other car. But she needed the pickup only at that in that moment. She could take the pickup, leave her car there. Who go. was going to dig the hole? Damn, so Charlo dipped and then went and dug a hole. That's why he didn't. For this girl's dad? He never came for the anniversary picnic. I'm sorry, from Anna will also be pissed. He couldn't give her like a call. Yeah, maybe he you could. Know, but to give a call, what do you say? Hey, I'm digging a grave for my ex girlfriend's dad <laughs> Chalo is stuck between a rock Hard and a rock <laughs> yes and then remember the part where Esther mm-hmm. went to the shop of Mama Canini yes oh. and the women oh my goodness the way the women were treating her you see how fast rumors travel everybody thinks she's a witch because she poisoned her husband and she poisoned the people who went to the federal service right and there's actually evidence because people are sick people are ignoring her oh my god that was such a hard thing to watch because it's like a few days ago these were my community members and, and now then she went to zipporah and asked zipporah and even zipporah ignored zipporah her zipporah is her sister in law. in law yeah she also ignored her because she's the wife of musa we also see esther bringing food for professor and professor seems to live near their land it seems she brings him food often so she brings him some pilau oh he looks so good yeah the pilau that looks good and she's speaking to professor you see that she comes it seems like this is a place she comes a lot to speak and share out her thoughts to somebody who will not judge her which i can understand because it seems like in the years she has been in this community she has never really been accepted and while she's speaking to him she's talking like i'm unsure about what to do my husband's body has been taken by his brothers and it's like in that conversation in sharing her thoughts out loud she kind of gets a realization before the realization professor tells her that he saw the people who actually poisoned the food oh yeah yeah so then she knows now that it's her brother's in law after she shared her thoughts she was able to become more firm like yeah. there's something i can do and because you realize the whole time she was not even talking no she was not she seemed really resigned so like now she found a spot where mwalimu would have liked to be buried you remember when the kids this is when we even found out that those children mind you they're being overworked they are not being paid and now we find out they are not even being fed i was so pissed on their behalf because like one of them finds josiah it's josiah yeah josiah and the other one what's yeah. his name i don't know his name they are at professor's place and they see food. Mm-hmm. And professor says to them, okay, we can share the food. The number of kids that come out, I was like, oh my goodness. So they don't feed all these kids? Because Silas keeps fronting that he's paying them, but he's actually not. Silas is, I hate Silas. Yeah. I hate Eric too. I hate Ikorok. Should I go on? <laughs> But it's all connected. Because Silas works under Eric. Eric works under Vivian. Vivian has her henchman who is Max. Max is the boyfriend of Akisa. Akisa, that's her village. Yo. They don't even know this connection yet. They don't. We are the part where Vivian is still trying to get the license to mine. From the governor of Silanga. Yeah. 
but this governor is living large. They always at first, living he, large. Anyway, that is true. He's at some fancy restaurant. And then we see Vivian looking good as always. The jewelry is still on point. Mm-hmm. She comes in and she wants to talk to the governor. And the governor is obviously, he's like, he's not into it even. She even tries to bribe him. Yeah, because she gives him like a giant pile of money. And he's like, yeah, no, I don't want to be associated with you. But the part that really pissed me off mm-hmm. is the part where he started, is it age shaming her? Yeah. Because a younger girl comes by and then she's like, who took my place? Then the guy says something like, if you're her age, you also end up on the wrong table. Something like that. Basically, age shame Vivian. It's not even funny because that girl looked like she was not more than 25. It looked like it could be his daughter. They always do look like they could be their daughters anyway. I feel like this is where the the stigma Mm -hmm. like even younger girls they fear to get old because they know when they get old men will start saying shit like that to them and then they won't really rate them yeah but then you realize as women nobody rates you at any age we are introduced to isaac's home obviously he's coming from work and we see his wife and child oh his son is so adorable the child actors in this show are really good yeah they're so good his name was brian oh he's so cute anyway so we find max threatening Isaac through his son and Isaac finally reveals that even if I were to help you I can't because the company is bankrupt and then you can see Max is he wasn't expecting that which makes sense why Vivian kept on asking for the money and I guess it also makes sense why she's pushing this Silanga project like so hard yeah because she's so rude to Eric Eric wants to give her like an introduction he wants to say hi I don't care but it makes sense now because obviously they don't have money and I think she was hoping that the Europe deal will pass through and that fell through yeah. but it's such a mess it is. we have dear anna dear anna is waiting for chalo her boyfriend for this so-called picnic you know what i think chalo got the idea of the picnic after grace called him out for being basically she said you need to be a bit more romantic i think it's chalo who then communicated that we should have a picnic and then anna is sitting here this man didn't even give her a call i feel sad for her yeah anna is stuck in she shouldn't be going through this no she should not it's sad i'm assuming he has a phone Yes, people <laughs> in the village have phones. No, that's not what I meant. I'm thinking I, I didn't see him at once with a phone. Oh, oh shoot, yeah. And the picnic setting looks so cute. Yeah. And she, her hair, she, her hair is out. She looks so cute. In her ah! nice floral dress. It was a floral dress. Then we have our Titus Kunani. <laughs> <laughs> that part was so funny. We kept on repeating it over and over again. The person who's playing Musa acted a it's drunk good. person really well. That was hilarious. They stole the COVID from him. That means he was drunk in the sofa while the pickup came. Yeah. They placed the body on it and moved. That is true. And so his brother, Titus, is here telling Musa, You're so crazy. Like, how, how did they steal it from under your nose? Mm-hmm. Then we have, of course, Anna again. Anna comes to. I believe this is Chalo's place. Mm-hmm. She was so angry. Oh she my god. Really the way she was banging it is on the anniversary. Door. Also, it's a metallic door. <laughs> but you she was that. really angry. Anna told Akisa mm-hmm. that when you meet him, let him know that I'll be waiting for him. Mm-hmm. He knows what I'm talking about. Mm. Akisa never passed on that message. <laughs> <laughs> hey! No, but why would she then so that he doesn't help her? Maybe she was deliberate. Uh, 
ah ah no but you guys Anna was really angry yeah maybe she was deliberate because Chalo did ask her um how did you know I was here and she's like um I need your help <laughs> <laughs> so perhaps she did that on purpose but you know it must feel humiliating for you to sit in the sun and wait for somebody and they don't come and you go to their house and they're not there and you prepped everything and you didn't even receive a call from them <laughs> on your so-called anniversary just because one city girl came back <laughs> even we I'll be angry but you know what i have my limitations my anger stops before food do you know what i mean i cannot throw cake away you know what i would have done i would have removed the icing and, and thrown then thrown that, that. <laughs> And then oh. eat the bread. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Guys, at this point, we all know that Max is Vivian's bitch. <laughs> I'm just gonna say it. Max confronts her. Mm-hmm. I know we don't have money. Mm-hmm. You should have told me. But you know what? It's so funny how Vivian still manages to wiggle her way out of Max's confrontation. Because yes. before she was like, I need you to move out of my house. And then their relationship is odd, to be honest. It's really odd. Because at the end of this confrontation, she asks him to do this one thing for me and I will consider. <clears throat> So Max says, I need an official job. That's when we learn that he's not even employed there officially. <laughs> what? <laughs> Nothing makes sense. How? He has no official title. Yeah. He's just... So I'm Vibes. wondering, how does he get money? Like, how is his pay? How does his pay come? That means he, he survives on, like, Vivian's goodwill. Yeah, actually. And her goodwill is very fluctuating. And then Max asks her that I want to have an official position at this company. Mm. Vivian says, if you do this thing for me. And she's obviously frustrated because she can't get the license from the governor. Right. So she says, if you do this one thing for me, getting the license from the governor, I will think about about maybe <laughs> giving you that position so even then she's really not promising anything and you know before that in that same scene max himself says playing fetch and pitbull has lost its last so max so has the like... self-awareness that he is a bitch of vivian <laughs> for a long time those were di- the dynamics and he was comfortable with it but you think he's also comfortable with it because then he gets to date somebody else on the side perhaps because it seems not the it moment seems, that akisa vivian is knows about akisa she does akisa knows about vivian which it's is like interesting okay with it the way he treats akisa is different from the way he treats vivian you know with vivian it's like a teacher and a student <laughs> he's so much more humble when he's with akisa, akisa like more human like he can voice his wants and his needs he can't seem to do that with vivian but anyway towards the end as you can tell we're deprived of romance with yeah African people please, please people, people right make a romance movie we will review it. Yeah, a series. <laughs> Something romance with Africans. It was so refreshing to see, like, people with full lip skis. So Max agrees. Yeah, even when she said, maybe I will think about it. You really see that he has no option. Yeah. Which makes sense, because if he didn't have, kind of like, how like how does he then leave? Like, how mm-hmm. they eventually find the time and peace to bury Mualimu. Finally, man. Finally, after all that chaos, it's already at night. And one thing we really noticed mm-hmm. was... 
the lighting. Yeah. Night scenes are really hard to shoot. I mean, it's not like we're filmmakers or anything, but they managed to do that and they give the impression that they just did that with like the lights of from the, the car. car. That was smart. That was so good. I feel like them showing us that like they did that with only the car lights, you could feel the... Yeah, because it was only Esther, Akisa, Charlo, mm-hmm. the aunt, and the guy of the pickup. Yeah, it heightened the tension. Yeah. The lights of the cars being the only light being used to dig. Yeah, that is true. That was, it was... Yeah, the funeral service was nice. It, it was, was very so emotional. I, I teared up at that part. Oh, yeah? Yeah. It was very intimate. Yeah. Very, yeah. Like, kind of like how you think it is supposed to be like honestly they're the people who really knew him yeah Charlo and Akisa embraced oh like when she's going back to yeah, Nairobi yeah again Akisa is on the run because that's one thing I noticed even in episode one one thing this girl will do is run I, I don't blame her at first I was like are they going to hug are they going to talk it was a long ass hug and she melted into that hug I saw that it seems so natural though how they moved and hugged it was a warm Hard and life. then professor professor brought the wrath he was I making got scared, you know but that part when professor came in i was like oh my god has somebody discovered them because we don't know it's professor i'd like to know professor's story though and he's like rest well old friend yeah your work is done um, yes after all that chaos i was thinking she's really gonna drive back in the night but what to do i understand why like staying there is having to deal with so much hurt yeah and also the part where they were back at the house and um, Akisa was saying goodbye to the aunt. He, she said something. He would have been 10 years old. Oh my god, yeah, when she was in the room. This is the scene that led me to believe that Josiah is their child, is her child. Before she leaves, her mom, Esther, has done a 180. She's trying to let Akisa know, you're always welcome to stay. Even she says, this will always be your home. When she sees that Akisa is in a hurry to return to Nairobi. In mm-hmm. my head, I'm like, sis, you were here saying this girl is a curse. Yeah, but my African parents, they dismiss such heavy things quickly because they don't want to deal with it. They don't want to apologize. They want to act like everything is normal. They kind of gaslight you into thinking, am I crazy that I'm hurt? Those are the mental gymnastics African (laughs) parents put us through. If yours don't, I am so happy for you. But a lot of people can relate to that. That is true. I feel like they expect her to do the same thing. She hasn't even had time to actually talk about it. Like openly talk about it. Because sometimes when you voice the feelings you have, it makes it a little easier to like work through yeah it's so sad i cannot believe they just took her child away from her without her consent like what was the reason and then you can even see the weight of her feelings because after she says goodbye to the mom in the car she cries that part because you realize the whole time she has been holding a strong face do you know i think this is the first time we see her cry Uh, maybe if we cut out the part of where her dad had just died and then she was wailing but we didn't see it Mm mm-hmm And it gives me the impression that, you know, just like Ivy said, I think she's so used to compartmentalizing, puts her feelings aside, does what she needs to do. And even then, you see that she's not comfortable breaking down where her family is. She had to run on her way to Nairobi in the car is when her tears actually come out. Even when she was saying goodbye to her dad at the the burial that they just did the impromptu one, she did not cry. No, she didn't. Because I'm imagining what was in their first, in their parents' mind then. They were probably thinking, we don't even have to discuss this with you. Because first of all, you're a child. child. Second of all, I we're doing like what's best for you. They look like people who had resources, right? So then that 
kind of convinces me that it was more about the family's image, image than actually caring for the well-being of the child and their daughter. I don't think she's ever rested. Charlo gets to move on, mm-hmm. have make all these plans for his life because he does not know. He doesn't know. But knowing that there is a possibility that you don't even know if they're okay, you don't know if they're being fed, you don't know how they are because they were well, taken away from you. We just found out they're not even being fed. I'd rather I know they're dead. You know how you always hear these stories of like kids who disappeared and so forth i always feel like oh my god it's so much worse it's like you will always think about them but knowing that they died it's so much easier to grieve and heal i can only imagine how she feels she has so much healing to do clearly we've ended this one on a somber note because there's a lot to think about yeah there's a lot to chew on a lot to digest you've been listening to the two african girls review podcast where we review black and brown films tv and more don't forget to rate and share this podcast Leave a comment on this episode and let us know what you'd like us to review next. Send us an email at twoafricangirlsreview at gmail.com. Until next time.